like Pisa to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time, and we are kick-sliding ourselves straight into a new episode about the draft. I, I get it, his offensive lineman. Yes. That's really good. We have heavy hands in this episode because we are talking all about offensive linemen and which ones we like in the draft and which ones make the most sense, Horst, for the 49ers. Oh, yeah. You know I'm ready for this one. Offensive linemen, best-looking and smartest guys on the field. I'm excited about this one. Some would argue with you on that, but what I won't argue with you on is the fact that I'm very excited. This episode, O-line is a staple in the NFL. Right. If you don't have a good offensive line, if your offensive line can't protect your quarterback, you've got major, major issues. While the 49ers, I wouldn't say, have big concerns and issues in regards to offensive linemen per se, I do think there's some intriguing options that could help them sure up the position a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I think that the 49ers have options, especially sitting at 12. They have a possibility of one or two guys falling to them. Well, guys that should go in the you know 12 and up range. And then there's guys later on in the first round if they were to trade back. And that's, that's going to be interesting going over those because the big questions are still, are we going to sign, re-sign Trent Williams? And is Mike McGlinchey the answer at right tackle moving forward? We're going to have to, you know, come up with that here and pretty quick because McGlinchey is going to be ready for that fifth year option. Are they going to do oh, it yeah. or are they not going oh, to do yeah. it? Horst, who is the first guy that's on our list that makes sense for the 49ers in the 2021 NFL draft? I think the first guy on everyone's list is Panay Sewell from Oregon. Um, he's one of those guys that projected right now that comes along only every you know six seven years he's big he's fast he's got great technique he's athletic he's mean he's a great pass walker and a great run walker obviously there's things he needs to work on but he is to me he's a clear-cut number one lineman on the board and I think most people agree um and there's some that have him as the number one player on the board the main negative for him is that he didn't play this year right but that wasn't due to injury. He chose not to play. So I think, I although the chances of him falling to 12 and the Niners get, getting a crack at him is very small, if Panay Sol fell to 12, I would pick him without hesitation. He's that type of talent. Yeah. I think if he gets anywhere close to 12, I think all of us would consider trading up potentially to, to snag him as well. Um, yeah, he's good. he's got one of the biggest upsides in this draft by bar none. He's super athletic, freakishly athletic for a right. six six, uh, and the size he is over three hundred and twenty pounds. Um, he can do a lot of great stuff. He's a very he's very special in the run game as well. Um, talk about just a just a generational talent at that tackle position. Uh, you just you don't see it that often. Yeah, I mean it's it's great. Yeah, I think the questions are exactly how good is he because you have the. You know, the, always the Orlando Pace, you know, Jonathan Ogden, those type of guys, comparisons. Are they a clear-cut, you know, guy that should be a first or second overall pick? I think if he would have played this year and he would have showed the improvement that I think everyone expects him to make, that we would be talking about him going in the first 
two picks in the draft. Yeah. But because he didn't play, there's still those questions. And those questions have to be answered. And those questions will probably be answered in his pro day and other stuff as they just look at his technique and how he does his stuff, how he kick slides, you know, his uh, ability to move. Um, especially for these guys who run the zone scheme like the 49ers, we want to make sure that he can move and make all the blocks that he needs to make. If the 49ers could draft Pinay Sewell, it is the obvious choice, like Horst said. I don't think you think twice, you automatically put the card in and you just go with it because at 12, this would be tremendous value. You, if you re-sign Trent Williams and you have this guy next to Trent Williams at the tackle spots, that is unbelievable. You move Mike McGlinchey in for a year, whatever you got to do, or trade Mike McGlinchey, I think that would be a possibility. Or if Trent Williams moves on, this guy at left tackle could stabilize your offense moving forward, Thanks. and then you are, you're okay for the next five years. So I think he's a real option. After that is when the questions start to you know come up. I know that one of the guys that I've been high on is been Rashawn Slater. Of course, is Rashawn Slater somebody that you still see in the top 15, or is he really a lower of the first round type guy? And is he can he play left tackle in the NFL? Um, Slater to me is the only other lineman that makes sense at 12. To me, he's the only other offensive lineman. Um, he moves real well. He's big and long, you know, long arms. He's great blocker. I project him more as a right tackle okay. in the NFL. I don't know that he's your. I think if he's your right tackle, he's a top ten potential right tackle, top five. At left tackle, I think his potential is more middle of the road, like solid starter, but not pro bowler. Where a right tackle, he's a big deal. Um, or if you were to kick him inside the guard, I think he's you know a very high level guard as well. But to me, Sewell and Rashawn Slater are the two guys that I think are worth that pick. Um, the only thing about Slater is I think he could do with getting a little bit stronger at the point of attack. But athletically, technique-wise, um, all that, he is very gifted. And once again, another one of those guys that just not very many six foot four, six foot five, 315, 320 pound guys move that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I my notes on him are similar to that. Um, I, I feel like he can cover a, a wide range of positions. Um, he has the intellect and the ability to cut off defenders. Um, he's very good at recognizing plays, and I think for that reason alone, he'd make a very solid center in the NFL is his intelligence level and the things that he can recognize and diagnose and how to position his body and put himself in the right place to cut people off and, you know, take take linebackers who diagnose a run play and start to shoot a gap he can get there right. before they even recognize what the play is and diagnose it. Um, his strength and technique, he has. He has it to play at the guard position as well. Um uh, he just he can do a wide variety of things, which is why I'm not sold on him as a tackle. I feel like his diversity is is bar none the best of any lineman in this draft. I feel like you play potentially all five positions. I don't think he's best suited at the left tackle spot. If he's going to play tackle, it's definitely at the right tackle spot on the field. I think he's probably better fit uh, on the interior. And in all honesty, I think I might love him if he played center. Um, especially a team like the 49ers with with the questions about Weston Richburg, he might be perfect in that role because he allows you to move guys around. You can put bun skill at guard. You can put, you know, yeah. you, you can take care of McGlinchey. You don't have to worry about moving McGlinchey potentially inside. You can work with McGlinchey or, again, with a guy like Slater, you can put him at center or put him at guard, move run skill to center. I mean, there's so many different options 
Rashawn Slater is just a diverse talent, and he provides a team with a lot of opportunities and doors that they can walk through in order to fill holes and issues in the offensive line. Yeah, when we were talking on the live stream, that was one of the things that I was bringing up is basically it was Pinesel and Slater that I thought could play the tackle as a starter day one in the NFL. But you're right, he has the flexibility to move inside, guard, center. I've actually seen him on some mock drafts as a center listed. So some some people are definitely viewing him that way, and that means the NFL is viewing him that way. So it's really high to take an interior lineman. I mean, it really is. It's, it's high to take an interior lineman, but it could happen because a lot of people you know, will make that move and just bring him in if they need to. I think that he could play right tackle in the NFL. He, I equate his talent level right now to that of Christian Wirfs last year. So mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. between kind of the 12 to 18 range is a hot spot for him. Um, I think if he, he might go earlier than that, the, the New York Giants might you know go ahead and take him. They're at 11. They do like the big people. They do like the big people. I think that he's an option there. And I think that after that, then people are going to start really maneuvering. And it's all about kind of what you like, like your flavor that you like when it comes to these guys, because these guys are all different. And the next guy on the list, I think, is Elijah Vera Tucker. You I was right. right. It is. And this is a perfect guy for Horse hey, to talk about. You got you to trust that gut, man. I know. You just got to go with it. Horse, Elijah Vera Tucker is another guy that you hear a lot of people talking about moving inside and playing guard. He had an outstanding, you know, showing as a right tackle. Can he play right tackle in the NFL, or is he sliding inside the guard? Um, I think that... If you're talking wanting him to play day one, he probably needs to slide inside. I do think he could be developed into a very good right tackle. And even possibly, like I said about um, Slater, an average left tackle. But um, Vera Tucker's interesting to me with the 49ers because he is, he might be the best, one of the best fits for their scheme. Right. If he's playing guard. Um, he's athletic, he moves well, he gets downfield on linebackers quickly. Um, he's a very nice fit for his own run scheme, where, lineback- where offensive linemen have to be quick, have to be able to get to the second level. Yeah. He's not a brute force, Bruce, brute strength guy. I mean, his strength is adequate, but he's not, that's not his game, he's just mauling people. He's a technique guy, and he's, when you I'm talking when he's on the interior, He's a technique guy, and he's very quick off the ball and gets downhill quick. So as a guard, I like him. I don't like him at 12. I think he is a mid to late 20s talent, in my personal opinion. And actually, he's the fourth best lineman, in my personal opinion. But we'll get to that in a few minutes, I'm sure. No, I mean, he's... he's really really great with the technique as horse said uh, the big thing I, that stood out to me was his ability to create leverage especially against um linebackers and edge rushers uh he, he's just really good at putting himself in the right position he doesn't overextend he doesn't take too big of steps uh he's very quick with his feet his ability to recover when he does get beat or loses a step on a guy off the line is impressive and incredible um, I do think, like Horse uh, said, I, I do think he's probably a better fit as a guard and interior lineman. And if he, if the 49ers drafted a guy like Veritaker, that's exactly what he'd be playing. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's moving outside at all. I think you put him inside a guard, um, and that would mean you're probably going to move on with Brunskill at center unless something goes on with Richburg, um, or duking it out with Brunskill for that right guard position. Uh, 
But yeah, no, he, he's a solid player. He would add a lot of depth at that guard position. If injuries were to come about again and you had a lot of run skill shuffling, I would be less concerned with some of the options that you may have at the guard going in at right guard or, God forbid, something happens to Lankin Tomlinson on the left side. Uh, having a guy like Vera Tucker there behind just sitting in the weights waiting, he'd be a good guy that you're kind of not necessarily relying on day one or year one to be a guy, but you're molding for the future of taking over the role um, when a guy like Langston Tomlinson either gets priced out or eventually starts his decline because he's not a, entirely a completely young man. He's not old by by any means, but, you know, he's not his second year in the league and he's 25, 26. Right. You know, and Lincoln is getting up there a little bit more. I think uh, Vera Tucker's a good player. I think he's very talented. He's very athletic. Those are things that really will scream out to zone-running teams. You know, they're going to look at this guy. So for one of those teams, he could fit, you know, especially as a right tackle. I think he would be a target for the Jets, possibly in round two, uh, if he made it that far, there is a possibility of him making it that far. Um, and if he does, then that would be a nice spot for him. As far as the 49ers go, I think you wouldn't take him in the first round minus a trade back scenario where you end up taking him in the mid to late 20s. I think he's a late first round, early second round guy and no, no slight on him, but I think that a lot of teams will see his future as being an inside guy and playing the guard. If somebody values him at right tackle, he could go as early as 14 to 15 in that range. This could be a Patriots pick with them letting players go. This would be a possibility for them. I could completely see that. They don't do what anyone expects them to do. Never. They do their own thing. So he would make sense there. But for the 49ers, minus a trade back scenario, it doesn't make sense at 12. And if by some strange reason he was there for their second round pick in the 40s, yeah, he would be a real option for the 49ers to plug and play at guard. Absolutely. He could be a nice player for them. The next guy is probably one of Horse's favorite players, right, Horse? Yeah, the next guy up here, I'm assuming, is uh, Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State. You and, assumed right. Um, he did. Wyatt he did Davis right. is a guy that me and Ant saw for the first time play in the high school state championship for St. John Bosco right. in Sacramento. Um, and right away, you know, he was one of the guys leading into the game. He was a five-star recruit, you know, a name we had been told to keep an eye on. And Wyatt Davis stood out, obviously, on the high school field like a sore thumb. Yep. Um, he is actually the grandson of Willie Davis, the Packers Hall of Fame defensive end. So he's got the athletic bloodline. And his dad is Dwayne Davis, who played Alvin Mack in the program. <laughs> um, if you guys didn't know that. Fun I, fact for you. I didn't know that. Yeah, so his dad was a wow. linebacker at, a, what's the name of the school? In that? Um, ESU. ESU. Yeah, yep. he was also uh, in Necessary Roughness then. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, his dad Feather, was an All-American linebacker. <laughs> um, but, but in all seriousness, Wyatt Davis, I actually think is, if you're just talking guard, is a better prospect than Elijah Vera Tucker. Now, Vera Tucker's going to get rated higher on a lot of people's boards because of his ability to kick out and play tackle. But if you're just looking for interior line play, this might be your best guy. Right. Um, he's, a, he's a good run blocker, good pass blocker, as they put right there. Cerebral. Mm -hmm. Smart kid. He's a uh, three-year starter at Ohio State, which is no small feat. So, um, it's fairly impressive. He's a big-time player, has been since high school, was one of those guys that was a five-star recruit and definitely lived up to his billing. 
and I see him living up to his billing in the NFL as well. Um, I think he's one of those guys, if the Niners picked him to play right guard, he is immediately their best guard on the team. Ooh, that's high praise. I like I it. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, yeah, he's one of the he's, – he's the guy I feel has the most untapped potential of the entire guard class, and that's saying something because he's already fairly talented yeah. as a guard. Um, he was de- easily one of the best guards in all of college football. And I think the only red flag for most teams, and I think even for the 49ers, is the injury suffered at the end of the season. How severe is it? How, mu- how much is it going to hamper or affect him? I think um, not having the combine will hurt a little bit in that respect because all, you, all you'll get out of him is a pro day workout potentially if, if he's healthy and good to go enough by then. Um, I, I think a combine would have helped maybe shed some of the worry off of some teams from the injury. Uh, but for the most part, this guy is solid top to bottom. Uh, but like I said, untapped potential is, is the thing. I think with the right coaching, this guy is easily an all-pro uh, in the NFL. And uh, the fact that you know he's probably not going to go in the top 10 at all is saying something. It shows how much talent there is, and it shows how much value he can add to your roster later in the, later in the draft. Because if you're in love with the guy, you can trade back, get some more real estate as they would call it some more draft picks some more capital mm-hmm. and get the guy that you want at the guard position i think he's uh gonna go probably in the early for early second round i think that's probably the target for him so the 49ers you know if they did make a move to to kind of drop back pick up some extra picks they would have the firepower to jump back you know play maybe into the maybe where the jets are at the beginning of the second round take wyatt davis if for some reason he fell to the 49ers that would be 100 percent awesome well, we did our mock draft. He fell to us at that spot. He is my favorite interior offensive lineman in this entire draft. Like Horst said, we saw him play since high school. And the one thing you could tell right then was the athletic ability, just how you know good he played. People don't know about St. John Bosco. They are a national power. Hey, if you don't know about St. John Bosco. Yeah. St. John Bosco, Matter Day, are national powers. And we saw St. John Bosco play against De La Salle. And De La Salle's defensive lineman, are epic for the way that they play, the techniques. Their offensive line and defensive line are always fantastic. St. John Bosco ran the giant splits that were like two and three yards you know, wide and just completely dominated the game. It was fantastic to watch. And that was the first time we looked at Wyatt Davis and thought, wow, this guy's going to be something special. We kept an eye on him all the way through Ohio State. It helps that we have a friend that's an Ohio State fan. So we kept an eye on him. And now, now he has progressed enough where he can be in the NFL. And I think the 49ers could possibly pick up one of the better guys that could be a starter for them for five to ten years and be a guy that they could count on for years to come. I hope this guy falls to the 49ers in the second round because I would 100% make this move. I know a lot of people want to go center. Center is a real possibility, but Wyatt Davis would stabilize the entire offensive line, especially give help to Mike McGlinchey, and then you then you can play games with Daniel Brunskill. If Weston Richburg doesn't come back, he's your center. If he does come back, now Daniel Brunskill is your swing tackle with the flexibility to play any spots. With him and Justin Skule as the backups, you are set. I think that is the best move for the 49ers. Whether they're able to do it or not is another question. Entirely another question. Uh, yeah. One thing to add to Wyatt Davis, if you remember the lineman he faced from Dale Salvo was Boss Tagaloa, right. who is now UCLA starting center. He played both ways at Dale Salvo. And Wyatt Davis ran him all over the field. So it's not like he was facing a chump either when we saw him. Yeah. 
that's uh again tip the hat why davis absolute absolute beast and if he ended up found a way to drop into the late second round we're not going to hate it at all whatsoever yeah uh the next guy on the list is another tackle got a virginia tech kind of been flying up some boards recently he was kind of uh, I wouldn't say it wasn't a known commodity. People knew who he was, but the, he, he's getting some talk and some running. He's coming up some boards a little bit. Christian Derrishaw, how yeah. are you feeling about this guy? I actually like him a lot. I, I think I think another guy that equates pretty close to Christian Wirfs, I think when you're looking at him, his technique and stuff is actually very similar to him. He's a right tackle in the NFL. I'm not so sure about left tackle. A lot of people are saying he could be a left tackle. I think he's a right tackle in the NFL. He has good technique. He has good hands. He's... At times, he looks a little slow in the feet, which makes me worried about speed rushers. A little bit. But I did overall think that this guy is a mid to late first round pick. So right in that range, he could go. I think all the strengths that we talked about with Wurfs, we talked about this guy. He's a good run blocker. He's physical. The pass game is where I'm worried. So once again, this is the guy that I don't think would be a huge upgrade over Michael McGlinchey because he has the similar issues as him. But could he play in the 49er scheme? Absolutely. If the 49ers were picking in the late to first round, early for or mid to late first round, he would be a target for them, especially if they traded back in a scenario where they got in that early 20s range. Then that would be a spot, a hot spot for him. Oh, yeah. Especially if you already know what's going to happen with Trent Williams. If you know you got Trent Williams coming back, you don't make this move. But if you if he's gone and you need to make a move, this guy could be somebody that you could you could possibly develop into a starting left tackle. I just don't ever think he would be an elite left tackle in the NFL. Okay. Um, a guy that, for some reason, when I watched his tape, kept jumping into my head, and Niner fans, this will be a familiar name, Anthony Davis. Okay. Um, because he was a little bit similar to McGlinchey, great run blocker, struggled sometimes with speed rushers. Um, but he's got the good things with that Anthony Davis had as far as getting upfield quick, getting on linebackers, and he's mean. That's what I saw out of him. He's nasty. He's he's intense. He's always fired up. Um, I, I I like Christian Derisaw, too. I actually think he's a better tackle prospect than Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, I agree. I don't know that he's a better football player, but he's a better tackle prospect. Uh, and I'm a fan, but I also agree with you that if – they bring back Trent Williams. He doesn't make sense for the 49ers because he's such a similar player to um, Mike McGlinchey. I, I think in the first round, uh, if, if yeah, they bring I mean. back Trent Williams, I don't think they go tackle unless it's Pinesol. Or, like, yeah. or like you said, if they go Slater to play center or guard. I think Correct. you were right on that. I think that's why those are the two guys that if Trent Williams comes back, those are the two guys you go with. I think those are the two guys that everyone would be looking at, and I think those are the two guys that the 49ers are. The first two guys on their board, for different reasons, obviously, as you had just said. Christian Derrishaw, the thing I like the most about him is he's great after contact, after initial contact, contact at extending his arms. He, yeah. He gets great extension, and when he his arms are fully extended out, uh, you're not going anywhere as a defender. He's got full control over you. He's going to twist, pull, turn, take you wherever he wants to take you. Um, he turns defenders great. The big issue, though, is that point of that initial point of contact and that initial point of attack. He's a little slow sometimes. Hands don't fire off as quick as you'd like him to. Feet doesn't get his steps in correctly at, at times. He doesn't get that quick first step. So there's concerns with speed guys and edge guys. If if the, he's gonna if he's slow on the get off or slow out of that stance. Um, you know, that can start to lead to bad habits as well. You can get up a little too tall, right. you can fire your arms late. 
Uh, There's just issues that arise there. Now, granted, the only way to work on some of that is to get the guy in and see what the weaknesses are and see if those are actually glaring weaknesses or not. Uh, but other than that, I like the guy a lot. The size is there, 6'5", 314, 315, somewhere in there. Um, he's just, he's got it all. He's got it all for at the tackle position. He's not gonna be a guy you probably take in the first round. He's a guy that's gonna be somewhere there, somewhere in the second round. Um, but if Trent Williams comes back, he's a guy that's probably not even on your board. Yeah, I think you're right. And the way you're talking about with the hands and the feet, sometimes it's hard for an offensive lineman to tie hands and feet together when they're, you know, moving forward and making contact with the hands. That is something that can that can be developed through, you know, a lot of work and repetition. Right, I'm right, sure right. he's working on it, especially during the offseason. They'll get specific work with specific coaches and they'll be able to fix it. But that is something that all the time people worry about, especially offensive linemen, is their technique. Because if their technique gets a little off, it puts them out of balance, changes everything about where their hand placement is. It has to be so precise. That's why the great ones are so great because they can do it all the time continuously. And the ones that aren't, that's why they kind of fall off or are mediocre and end up you know, going on their way. I hope this guy can tie it together because I actually like him as a player. I agree. And in the words of the great Coach Collins, reps, reps, reps. I love reps. <laughs> he loved his reps, guys. Number six on our board here of discussion is a guy from Alabama that everyone should be familiar with, Mr. Landon Dickerson. Mm -hmm. Very talented guy. Mm -hmm. Probably one of the better center prospects, pure center prospects in this draft. How are we feeling about a man? Favorite center in the draft. I think, I think that's just the way it is. Uh, I like the way he plays. I think he's got an uh, aggressiveness to him but also very cerebral in the way that he looks at the defense and is able to help adjust. And he's a very good help blocker. He comes off, makes blocks, and is able to help and then you know push up to second level. Those type of things are fantastic for the 49er scheme. He's able to get up to the second level and make plays. But I think the leadership that he would bring would be a stabilizing force. If you're going to bring in a young center, you need someone that can lead the offensive line eventually. This is a guy that can do it. Uh, you know, I, I know Trent Williams isn't like a loud leader, but they, they could have a guy like this step up and be that guy. So possibly if they decide to go center, I know a lot of people are, are interested in other centers, but I think this guy's a real possibility. Also Slater, like we talked about, Slater could be a better prospect overall because of his athletic ability and his talent. But I think as far as pure center, uh, this guy is the best one. And my second favorite interior offensive lineman to White Davis. I am a huge fan of Landon Dickerson. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. He is the best center prospect. Um, Nick Saban absolutely loves him. I, I think he agrees too. <laughs> um, Buddy absolutely loves him. Um, he's, yeah. he's such a smart player. Like you said, he's always seems to be in the right spot on a blitz pickup, on a chip block, on a yep. to know where he needs to be even before the play starts even if the way they're lined up doesn't necessarily dictate him being there. See, um, like you said, by all accounts, he is a great leader. Um, he is not a classic mauling offensive lineman. He wins by playing with great technique and being in the right spot at the right time. So I can get why people don't want him in the first round and some even in the second round because he's not your classic, you know, Larry Allen or you know, type guy that's just going to be making highlight real pancake blocks like Quentin Nelson or someone like that. But you are talking about a very, very high-level football player with Landon Dickerson. 
Yeah, I think the word that comes to mind for most people when they think of Landon, Dick Landon Dickerson is finesse. Mm -hmm. And while some people will think of and hear finesse as soft, in a sense, it's not the right word to describe the way he plays. Um, you're just not going to get the big power blocks out of him. That's, that's not kind of his game. His game isn't that. And in all honesty, in his own blocking scheme, you don't necessarily need a power guy. Mm -hmm. You need a guy who can, can sort of play in that finesse sort of role and, and be able to take proper lanes, cut off angles, shield guys off and hold off and create holes for your quick running backs to find, read, hit, and blow through. Mm -hmm. um, so a question, I want to go off script a little bit here for you guys. Mm -hmm. A question that I have for you is, in comparison to Landon Dickerson, how do you feel about Josh Myers from Ohio State? I, yeah, I like Josh Myers. Of course, I know you agree as well. I just think there's a talent difference between the two of them. I think that Landon Dickerson is a legit two to three rounds better mm -hmm. than Myers. Because most people don't have him. And that's that's the reason why I wanted to ask. Is most most people, most places don't have him two to three rounds better. It's, it's about a round or similar in terms of where they're being drafted. And I don't feel like we all think that's the case. Well, Mel Kuyper has... Dickerson going in the first round he to does. the Pittsburgh Steelers. So about people the only are, thing he got right in his mock draft. People are people are coming around on the fact that Dickerson is a elite player as an offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman. He's an elite guy as far as technique and stuff. And I want people to remember when they're talking about finesse. Remember that Randy Cross, Jesse Sapolo, Guy McIntyre, Harris Barton, all those guys were finesse were, players. No. And you know what, Bob McKittrick, the old offensive line coach used finesse in a way that was beautiful to watch he made blocking as an offensive lineman an art form when you're playing in these zone schemes you don't need maulers no. what you need is guys that can get to a certain spot at a certain time to make a certain block for a second that's what you need and that's why this guy makes sense for the 49ers and that's why i think we like him so much yes and that's why there's going to be a different value than we have on him than Myers. And it's not so much that there that Myers is a bad player, Correct. but as a fit, he doesn't fit what the 49ers do compared to Dickerson. Now, in his spot in a fifth round, for late fourth, early fifth, Myers is a great pick there. Yes. But Dickerson is just a better fit for the 49ers. Agreed. The way I would put it, because he covered most of what I was thinking, is to me Dickerson is an all pro potential center and Josh Myers is a starting center. Mm -hmm. there That's go. the way I yeah. personally see it. That uh, simplifies it more than enough. That's exactly the way it is. Uh, up next, another guy from Bama. Another wonderful Alabama prospect. It's, it's weird. It's almost like they pump out really good yeah, players right. all the time or something. Maybe like. a few. I don't know. Uh, Mr. Leatherwood. He's got a great first name, too, Alex Leatherwood. Uh, I know. I, I feel like there's a couple Alex of seems overrated. Uh, I don't know. I think I disagree with you there on that. <laughs> uh, how are we feeling on Leatherwood? Uh, anything you like about him? Any concerns? I, I like him to a point. I thought he, he had a terrible senior bowl. As far as maybe not the game so much, but the actual one-on-ones. They were bad. He was he was getting not only overpowered, but also he was getting out, you know, speed, everything. They were just outdoing him. He had bad hand placement. It almost looked like he wasn't, like, all the way there mentally as far as, like, he wasn't engaged in what he was doing, which is not a good thing. He was, like, going through the motions. But the one thing I can do is grade him on what he did during the season, and he played well. Yes. He, he wasn't great, but he played well and looked solid. I think he's another guy that, you know, could translate to a right tackle in the NFL. I think he's a pure tackle prospect. Yes. I think in the 
the late second round, early third round is, is kind of the hot spot for him. He could go earlier if somebody falls in love with him. I'm not in love with him, but I think he is a talented player that could help someone's team. And, you know, the 40, if he fell to the 49ers at their compensatory pick in round three, 100% would be willing to make this pick because that's great value. Other than that, I wouldn't take him with our, our first second round, you know, with the second round pick. I wouldn't be willing to do that. But as somebody for like that compensatory pick right before the fourth round, I'd do it. I'm actually not a huge fan of Leatherwood. Um, That's the name, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and part of it is what you talked about with those um, one-on-ones. Yeah. He looked really bad. Um, obviously, one-on-ones are set up for the defender to win. I understand that. It's much different than a game situation. But at the same time, I thought how bad he was was concerning. Mm-hmm. Partly because he plays on such a good team that it was like kind of your first chance to see him on an island without the rest of that team, and it didn't look good. No. And those are always, to me, the concerns you have with guys coming out of schools like Alabama. Is it how much did they benefit from the guy next to him? So that scared me a little bit. Um, the other thing... He seems a little bit like stiff hip to me. Oh man, he just took what I was gonna say. Um, he doesn't seem like he moves very fluidly or athletically. So he needs to learn the lumbata. Yes, he, he needs to go to yoga class. Like you said, if you're talking end of the third round, yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah. But if you're talking second round or higher, no. I mean, I could as someone who has. Low body stiffness all the time. I thought you were going to say as somebody that does the lumbata. I don't do the, I don't do the lumbata. I probably should. Maybe maybe Alex Leatherwood hit you know hit me up on Twitter at Alex Balls. Maybe we'll, Dak Prescott could teach you guys some you, things. You can DM me. Where we'll go to classes your lower together. Body? Uh, but uh, it, all lower back, legs, oh. knees. You know that. that Thanks kind for of the. Stuff. <laughs> I'm so glad I clarified as well. Yeah. I didn't want that to to go completely sideways and bad. Uh, but yeah, no, he just doesn't look like he moves fluidly or easily it looks like it's at times certain things it looks like he struggles to do but one of the things i took note of when i was watching film was he has a problem maintaining leverage against quick change of direction guys if a guy is able to move a direction quickly he can get and establish and control and maintain leverage but as soon as that person puts his foot on the ground and goes to go a different direction oh god it's a, it's almost like his body's like saying yeah, whoa, no whoa there buddy we're not doing that um, he's not a bad player by any means. If you had asked me, if we had done this episode, if we recorded this three weeks ago, he would have been in my top five, like this, my second tackle on the board. Mm-hmm. Just based on his body of work before the Senior Bowl, after the Senior Bowl, uh, he's barely holding on. You know, he's just one of those guys who I've just, I'm not, I'm not in love with with the things he has shown. Um, the more you start to see some of the issues in the Senior Bowl, the more you're able to go back and watch film during the season and kind of pick out some more of those moments and figure out where things went bad. And, uh, you know, you just you hate to see it. You hate yeah. to see it for a guy this close to the draft, especially with no uh, combine either. He's not going to be able to clean up some of that stuff. That kind of sucks. He'll be able to clean it up, I guess, a little bit in his pro day, potentially. But it's really hard with linemen to have pro days in which you can demonstrate the things you need to see. Yeah, I think there's. I think what you're talking about, the change of direction, comes from that hip issue. You know, the the non flexibility is going to make it hard for him to be able to change direction and move really quick. Yeah. And that's why he gets over. You know, out of balance and is. And that was one of the things that I noticed at the Senior Bowl, like you were talking about, is if they took him upfield 
and then went inside, he was completely going upfield still. He couldn't change what he was doing. And that's why you're right. I mean, I think that's why late third, early fourth would be a hot spot for the 49ers. Like they would have to, you know, think about it. But before that, I wouldn't do it if I was the 49ers. No, definitely not. Uh, from Bama to Hook'em Horns, we got another tackle. Sam Cosme from the University of Texas. Yep. Those Longhorns. Does this guy have a potential for a long career in the NFL? I think so. I think he's a solid player. Uh, you know, that was one of the things when I watched him is I just thought, you know, he's not special. He's solid. Yeah. You know, he's one of those guys that you're you're going to put in there and he's probably going to start for six, seven years. And you're going to be like, wow, this guy is a solid right tackle in the NFL. And he's never going to grade the highest on PFF. And he's never going to grade the lowest on PFF. He's going to kind of be right in the middle. And you kind of know what you're going to get from him, man. Uh, I don't think he's an all pro player, but he's somebody that you can count on to be there week in and week out and stabilize the right side of the offensive line. Um, so overall, I enjoyed watching his film because I thought he's not overly gifted, but his technique was good enough to make plays. I think he's someone that can consistently improve. Um, I think if this was a deeper offensive line draft, that especially tackles, this guy would be a later round pick, kind of like we were talking about third, fourth, fifth round, you know, kind of the Colton McKivitz area of guy, but because the offensive tackles are just not as deep this year. This guy is a second to third round pick. Um, and I think someone's going to give themselves a good player. 49ers, could he be a possibility in the 40s? I think he could. You know, I think he's somebody that they could look at and be like, you know what, let's let's go ahead and get this guy. He seems like a 49ers type of draft pick from what they've been doing lately. He kind of fits that role of Justin Skule, Colton McKivitz. Um, so he is somebody that could fit. I wouldn't hate it in the second round. But I sure as heck would rather take a different offensive tackle later on because I don't think you're going to get a value at offensive tackle in the second round that you could get from an interior offensive lineman in the second round. You know, that's almost exactly what I was about to say about him. I saw your notes. Was um, I'm just kidding. You don't even have notes. <laughs> was that Sam? Was that Sam Cosme? Is he's near the top of those mid-round guys? But to me, the difference between him and the guy three, four spots below him is not worth the difference in what round they're going to get picked. That's my personal feeling. I Like you said, I think he's an average NFL starter. Mm -hmm. This is what he's going to end up. Um, I don't foresee Pro Bowls and all pros in his future, but I foresee a solid football player for yeah a long, a, quite a while in the league. And um, that to me, that's not worth the first two, three, two rounds draft pick. But um, he's got a lot to like. He's long armed. He's got good technique. He's just a step less athletic mm -hmm. to me than you know a top level prospect. Yeah, and I think I think his size could eventually make up for that. Yeah. Um, I just don't think he's day one ready. No, he's not day one ready. Um, but I think he has a very high ceiling. I think he be, he could be coached into greatness. I think he. I actually do think I'm much higher on Sam Cosme than I think some people are. I do think this guy could become more than just an everyday starter or even Pro Bowler. I think he has the potential to be an All Pro tackle. I think he has all the physical tools. He just has. I think he has a lot of technique issues that yeah. he needs to clean up. He has some issues squaring his hips around sometimes on his blocks. He can lean at times as well. 
Um, but I, I do like some of the things that he does. I think the thing that makes him fit best in the 49er system is his ability to get to second level to make blocks. Or, it reminds me a lot of McGlinchey's ability to get upfield when you were talking about it five seconds ago when you were mentioning the fact that he fits in the Niners' scheme in terms of what they want their tackles doing. Yeah, 100%. Watch If you go watch the film on this guy, there's tons of film of this dude getting up to second level and laying some nasty blocks as well as just sealing guys off that he has no business sealing off to great running lanes for those running backs at Texas. Uh, I think he fits in great. Now we got one of the trays. There's, there's a Trey Smith. There's a Trey Hill. We get him confoozled all the time here just when we're talking about him. Not even, not even when we have the stuff up in front mm -hmm. of us. But it's Trey Smith out of Tennessee, gentlemen. That's the next guy that we have kind of on the list. Yep. A um, little bit more. Of, he's the more pure guard prospect, whereas Hill is a little bit more of a center slash guard prospect out of Georgia. But from Tennessee, Mr. Trey Smith. Horse, we'll go with you first. Do you, do you feel anything about this guy? You know enough about this guy? You like this guy? I think Trey Smith is one of the bigger boomer bust prospects in this draft. I think as far as size and physical ability, he's an absolute monster. I think he far too often does not play up to that size and physical ability if you watch his video. Um, but I do think if he gets under the right coach, maybe gets in a little better shape, that might be a problem, and um, get, refines his technique, he could be a very high level guard in the nfl because he's big he's strong he's aggressive he just doesn't look like he always wants it which is a scary thought you know when you're using a high draft pick on a guy but i think he's one of the he could be one of those guys that gets picked late in the second early third and in two years everyone's man we should have picked that guy he also might be out of the nfl in two or three years um, but yeah, when he, the thing I really like about him is when he gets his hands on people, they move. Yep. He's big, he's strong, and he's aggressive when he wants to be. So he's got a very high potential, but also very low floor. Freshman All-American, second team All-SEC -E -All as a freshman at Tennessee. They had him graded as the second best offensive lineman in all of college football that year. The only guy above him, Quentin Nelson. We've all seen how that has panned out for the Colts. Mm -hmm. uh, that guy's an absolute savage and a stud. Um, he has all the tools to be great. He doesn't have the elite athleticism, but when you're 6'6", 320 pounds and playing guard, I don't think you necessarily have to have all the elite athleticism in the world to be a stud and a star. Um, the health is a concern, obviously, the blood clot issue for him. I kept him out for a little bit. Um, and I think part of the, the blood clot issue is probably a part of the reason why there's been some concerns, as Horst said, about like, you know, desire and will to, to be all you can be because he's probably had some bigger than football moments in his life and flashes of, you know, is this, is football, is football worth it all? You know, is football worth life or health, things mm -hmm. of that nature? So he's got some questions to figure out in terms of that aspect of it. But if he gets the answers, if he clears it up and answers that question and can commit, this guy is going to be going late in drafts because of the blood clot issue, um, just because of, of those types of, of questions that have arose about him. And he could be the steal of the draft at the offensive line position.
because he is bar none one of the more talented guys at the guard position. Yeah, I think he's probably going to go, you know, for early fourth, late fifth, you know, to fifth round, somewhere in there because just because of some of the things that are going on with him, you know, and I think that he is a good player. And I think that there are things that he can clean up technique wise, but you're right. The strength and that kind of thing, the aggressiveness is there. Um, he could be a solid offensive guard in the NFL. I think he's another guy that reminds me like of Cosme, but the guard version is somebody that's really solid. The only thing I say with this guy is he has more upside than Cosme, I think. I agree. Because I think this guy could, you know, develop into a Pro Bowl player. I think right now he could come in and he kind of has that Lakin Tomlinson about him where he's right now has the ability to, is on the cusp of being a Pro Bowler. I think that this guy could be a Pro Bowler in the NFL with the right coach in the right scheme. And I think that's part of the issue as you've seen when he played in Tennessee. Tennessee has so many changes and turnover and coaching staff early on having great success. It kind of falls off as he goes through. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with scheme and fit and all that good stuff. You sign up for one thing and you get another. So as long as the right team gets him and puts him into the right positions, he'll have a lot of success. He only gave up one sack in all of 2020 as well. So but by no means is he a scrub in. No, in not at all. Any facet of the game, it's just other concerns about this guy. And he's an interior offensive lineman. When right. you are an interior offensive lineman kind of pigeonholed, your stock automatically drops a little bit. It's just a smidge. It's Unfortunately. It sucks, but that's the game. You know? that's yeah. The way, that's the way it works. Only in draft, because when you get into the NFL, if you show yourself to be a great player, you're, you're still going to get paid. You're going to get paid. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Trey Hill next from Georgia. A little bit more. He plays center at Georgia, but they figuring he could, he could move into the guard position in the NFL. Ant, thoughts on this guy? To be honest with you, I don't think this guy fits the 49ers. Yeah, sorry, Horst. Um, I think just the way he plays, he would make more sense, you know, for teams that run more of a straight-ahead style, Baltimore Ravens, those kind of guys who are more grinded out, you know, let's get three yards in cloud dust, Tennessee Titans. This guy would make sense for them. Um, but for the 49ers, he doesn't. His lateral movement's not that great. He's oversized for a center. Like you said, he could play guard. He is a big center, and I don't think he's a bad player. I think that's the problem, though, is finding the right fit. With so many NFL teams switching to the zone scheme and running that, it's going to be a limited amount of teams that are going to find him attractive to them as the way he plays. I don't think the 49ers are the answer, but overall, I didn't hate the player. I like the player, just not a good fit for the 49ers like Dickerson, Creed Humphrey, and some of those guys. Yeah, it took the words right out of my mouth. He's He's got some talent as a prospect, <laughs> but to me, he does not fit the 49ers scheme. Yeah. He's not uh, He's not quite athletic enough to fit that scheme. He does look massive on the slide. But he's giant. And <laughs> yeah. if you need someone to stand in front of your windows because the sun's getting in, I mean, you call this guy. You definitely call <laughs> this guy. Uh, he is a great pass-blocking center as well. I'll give him that as a... Uh, Give him that credit, um, but he's not really good if you're asking him to pull in space or get up to second level. And uh, I don't know if you've watched any 49ers games, fans. If you have, our guys are getting to second level and pulling a whole heck of a lot. It's a lot of movement with your with your linemen in the zone blocking scheme. Yeah, so they got to be able to move. Just forward. look at the size of Richburg and Garland and yeah. and Brunskill. You know? Absolutely. So next up on the list, a guy from Notre Dame, one of the one of the last tackle prospects I think we'll talk about. There might be a couple other tackle prospects. Yeah. Put that in air quotes because there's not many true tackle prospects. Uh, this gentleman out of Notre Dame, Mr. Liam Eichenberg. 
feelings on this guy. I think he is light version of uh, McGlinchey. McGlinchey. Yeah. I, I think I think he really is a version of him. I don't think he's as polished as Mike McGlinchey. I don't think he's as aggressive in the run game as Mike McGlinchey. And he has some of the same issues that we talk about with McGlinchey right now, kind of the weakness, you know, as far as his body, he needs to get stronger. But I like him as far as technique. I think he always has a cerebral view on how things are going. He's 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 a good player. He's not a great player. Somewhere in the third to fourth round, this guy's an excellent value because he could come in and, and play right away, especially if you have, you know, two offensive tackles and you're bringing this guy to be the swing tackle or, you know, just to have as an emergency, as somebody that's ready to go. Because I think in one, two years as they work on his NFL body and then an NFL coach works on his technique a little bit more, He's somebody that could develop into a solid NFL player in the future. I think this guy could have the potential that we talked about with Cosme, where you're talking about him being you know, a good player for seven to eight years. I think he could do that, but I think this guy actually has a little bit more upside than that because he does remind me of McGlinchey. As long as he could fix his pass blocking, I think he could be a possible pro bowler. I mean, that that is, I think he, I think that's his, that's his ceiling. I think, I think his basement is if he doesn't get stronger and stuff, he's out of the league in a few years. But I, 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 I think he could do it. I think I, I have I have a little bit more faith in him than I've heard from other people. Agree? Yeah, I think Eichenberg's a classic boomer bust prospect. His ceiling is very high. His floor is very low. And you pretty much mentioned why, so I'm not going to rehash all of it. Okay. But you know, he's just <laughs> what a nice guy. Yeah. He I, he is what he is. Um, Unfortunately, he has a lot to fix. Definitely. Uh, I, I mean, the, the big thing to hit on is the ceiling. Yeah. Ceiling is apparent and in view. That's that's what I put down in my notes when I was watching film of them. You know what the ceiling is. You can see it. You can also see what the basement is. And all of those things are a concern at some point or another. It's just a matter of when he hits them. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I you know that's the thing. When you're getting into the third, fourth, fifth round prospects, you understand that there is an inherent risk at drafting them. They might not pan out, but you're projecting what they could become, and hopefully they become the type of player that you want and that could benefit your team in the future. Correct. So, Anthony, we've gone through a lot of guys. Yeah. Um, is there anyone that we've missed that you are a big fan of? Yeah, I think that, you know, Creed Humphrey, I know he, he has been a really big name as far as 49er fans go especially after a senior bowl performance where he looked solid. Um, he had a great season at Oklahoma. I think he's the next best center behind Dickerson. And I think that this would be an option for the 49ers in the third round. I don't think you go there second round because I think he's kind of hovering in that late second, early third. So would the 49ers need to move up, you know, from where they're at in that compensatory area to get him? Probably. That's the only reason that, you know, I didn't really want to talk about him earlier. It's just where he's going to get drafted combined with where the 49ers are going to pick. He's not in kind of the hot spot for them to draft him in the third round because I think he's going to go early third. So, but he's a great player and he is a, would be a fantastic value. He fits the 49ers system. He can get up to the second level and make plays. He's just not as polished as Landon Dickerson, and I don't think he has the leadership ability that Dickerson does, but I think that he would be a solid pick. He's somebody that if the 49ers brought him in, I think he is the Garland. He has a Garland mold to him with a little more upside, so he could be a solid player for them that could benefit them. Maybe not in year one, but year two, year three, he would just get better and better and better as it went on, and I think he would be a solid player for the 49ers moving forward. 
Yeah, I like that. Um, Alex, is there anyone you like? Uh, Dylan Radens from uh, North Dakota State. The tackle for one uh, Trey Lance. Uh, there's a lot of things to like about him on film. Uh, he doesn't really give up a lot of sacks. He doesn't really have any big glaring holes or issues. I think the big the big concern for me is just where he's going to go. Because there's just so many questions. He's not playing against a whole lot of talent there in North Dakota State. So there's not there's not a lot of stuff on film in which it looks like he's being tested. Right. Um, and he's having to overcome anything. And so not having a pro day, uh, excuse me, a, a combined look at him as well is not going to help his questions about who he was playing against. Um, I, I get it. You can't control who, you, who you're playing against. But when it comes to the tackle position in the NFL... Uh, I'm sorry, those two pe- the, you can't have questions about those pieces and be drafting them in the first two rounds in terms of like, this guy is going to be a day one starter that we can trust and rely on from the jump. Um, I, I don't think you can answer those questions based on the film that's out there, the people he was playing against, and with a pro day. It's, it's just not enough to solidify him in that spot, which means he could be anywhere. Mm-hmm. He, could, he could fall all the way to the last day, round seven, if teams are not sold on on the measurables and the things he has put down on tape. Um, it, it, it's just so, there's just so much room for error there. It's just hard to predict where he could go. I do like a lot of the things that he has to bring to the table. And I think in the right place, in the right coaching system, coaching system and style, San Francisco, mm-hmm. he could blossom and shine. I just don't think he's ready day one. I think the two is finding the value on him if it's guard or tackle. Correct. Because when I watched him, I saw an NFL guard and a lot of people are still saying he's an NFL tackle. I think if he translated to guard, he could go anywhere from you know rounds two to late three. But I think if he's a tackle, if someone really values him at tackle, they might move up or move him up into the second round. He's a possibility there. But you're right. I think there's a lot of fluidity with him and where he lands. Absolutely. Horse, do you have a guy? You know, we I, brought up our guys. Do you have a guy that you like? I do. Um, I like Big Quinn Miners. <laughs> out of Wisconsin Whitewater. Okay. He's a Division three player. Um, he made a lot of waves. He got brought into the Senior Bowl this year as a late call-up. He was a very dominant Division three player, obviously, to get invited to the Senior Bowl. He actually didn't play in the regular season this year because his whole division didn't. But he his D3 highlight tape, we watched it. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. He's throwing guys around like he's play, out there playing against children. Um, but what's interesting about him is when he got to the Senior Bowl and got work against these guys from the Power 5 conferences, he still looked like a problem. Yeah. He was still pushing them around, getting room, making his blocks. You know, sometimes in dominant fashion. He's another guy. I don't know that he fits the 49ers mold because I don't know that he's quite athletic enough to get downfield and do what Shanahan likes to do. But he's a guy that I really enjoyed watching his film. He's a great story. And I think that guy, if you give him a year or two to catch up to, like we've talked about, to perfect his technique... Because obviously at the Division three level, you can get away with just being physically dominant. At the NFL level, every rep has to be perfect. Oh, yeah. So I think he needs a year oh, or two yeah. as a backup to get himself right. 
but I think he's actually has a very high ceiling. I think he could become a very good NFL lineman. I think his senior bowl performance put him in the top 150 players, too. Oh, easily. Yeah, easily. He was dominant. He was almost dominant in the senior bowl. He, he looked fantastic, whether it was one-on-ones, Team O versus Team D, or the actual yeah. game itself. Uh, yeah, how he lets the belly free the whole time. That's He does. Horse is a big fan of the belly free. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, it hasn't happened yet on the pod. Let's... Yeah. Uh, Alaric Jackson is the guy we took in one of our mock drafts. How do we feel about him? I like Alaric Jackson. I think, I think he's one of those guys that we've talked about being in the Justin Skule kind of uh you know theme he can he can kind of play inside and outside and he's a guy that gives the 49ers flexibility just like they did with colton mckivitt it's a guard slash tackle guy that they can use as depth and maybe possibly develop into something in the sixth round where the 49ers pick alaric jackson makes a lot of sense there so that would be a name that i think would would make sense for the 49ers he kind of reminds me of mckivitt from last year I think McKibbitts is a overall more physical than him, but you're right. I think as far as stature and kind of the way he moves and plays, he's similar. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with you guys on that because I haven't watched as much film on him as you, yeah. as you have. But uh, from what I have seen, not not a lot of big concerns and does fit a little bit more of the can move around and do a lot of different things on the O-line sort of fit that Shanahan and Lynch have looking to take with some of their later right. offensive line picks. I mean, I think another guy that people should just keep an eye on is Robert Jones from Middle Tennessee. Just take a look at him, see what you think. I think that he would make sense for the 49ers in the mid to late rounds as well as they're filling out their offensive line depth. This seems to be something that they, they do a lot is draft somebody in the you know fifth, sixth, and seventh round that's an offensive lineman that they think they could develop. Justin Skewell, Colton McKivitz. Maybe they're higher on them than other teams because of their physical traits and, and things that they do. Maybe that would make sense for the 49ers. So take a look at him and also Alaric Jackson. If you have time to watch film, check them out. They're not going to jump off the screen, but they're going to be solid, you know, uh, depth players in the NFL, maybe even the practice squad, and then develop into that. So these are guys to watch for the 49ers and later guys. No, I mean, I just pretty much, I don't have too much to add to that. I think I thought that was put perfectly. Um, well, thank you. That was so nice. Uh, yeah. If you enjoyed the video, if you liked the people we had to, to talk about here on about the O-line for the Niners that they could draft in the NFL draft this upcoming, what, what's it, two months away? It's in April. Oh, my Lord. It's coming up. It's so close. Hit that like button right now. Hit that subscribe button, that notification bell as well. That way you're notified every time we post one of these breakdowns. We're talking about guys in the upcoming NFL draft that would fit the 49ers every Tuesday right here on this YouTube channel, 530 specific time. Very, very specific time. Um, you don't want to miss this contact. You want to be here. And let us know in the co- in the comment section down below. Anyone we missed, let us know. We want to have a conversation with you. We want to know what you think about the offensive lineman in the upcoming NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good time to talk about it because we're going to have differences in opinion between Dickerson and Creed Humphrey. I know that for a fact. Also, the way the tackles are viewed, some people... You know, value uh, Vera Tucker over Slater and so on and so forth. Bad so we can just have these conversations on where these guys are going to play. And if they make sense for the 49ers, where are the 49ers draft? So I think that's the big thing. I've, I think that with the 49ers picking 12 and then not until the 40s, there's a big gap between them. A lot of these guys are going to go in the middle of that. So they don't ultimately make sense unless the Niners trade back. Yeah, agreed. I think there's um, a couple guys that are that fit them well in each kind of area of the draft but they just gotta hopefully fall to them yeah absolutely (laughs) 
Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see what the Niners do with offensive linemen in the upcoming draft. Just going to have to wait to see what happens. All right, guys. Let's I take linemen. You, oh, it's good. I'm, I mean, no, I don't think anyone could have guessed that in a million years. You interrupted me. <laughs> I love linemen. Don't ever let it happen again. Savor the flavor. Savor the flavor, because sure as that ain't going to happen again. All right, guys, let's kick slide it out of here. It's time to chalk another one up. I'm your pass, bro.